Welcome to Victory Church Winchester, Virginia's weekly podcast. Our desire is that you will find Victory a place to call home. Please take a moment to subscribe and share. Here is this week's message from our Sunday morning worship experience. Let's go into our Bibles and look in the book of Acts chapter 1. We left off in our last message. We've been doing this collection of teaching uh, entitled Encounters, the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus. And we see how Jesus, after he was resurrected, he had appeared to his disciples. He appeared uh, to the women. He appeared to his disciples. And he appeared uh, to up to 500 people, the Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The scripture says... Uh, in verse 3, he presented himself, in Acts chapter 1 verse 3, presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God, giving them some last minute instructions. And at this time, we're going to go into our text for today. You can read it on the screens behind me. You can follow along in the, in the, uh, the app notes on the Victory Church uh, app. Um, you can take notes there. So note takers, hey, come on with me. Um, it's going to be a powerful message here today, all right? It says this. On one occasion, while Jesus was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. For 40 days, Jesus had appeared to his disciples, giving them many convincing proofs, the scripture says, that he was indeed alive. And he's teaching them, giving them some last-minute instructions before he's getting ready here in our passage today to ascend to the right hand of the Father. Giving them instructions about the kingdom of God. But I find it interesting that in these last instructions, Jesus' last words are not go. You might be familiar with the Great Commission where Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, Matthew chapter 28. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is the great commission. And we all that are followers of Jesus have a responsibility, a role in this great commission in sharing the gospel. But this is not Jesus' last words. Interestingly enough, his last words are not go, but his last word is wait. You see, he knew that the effectiveness of our going was dependent upon our waiting. He said, wait for the gift that I am going to give you. He's saying, you, before you go, wait till you are empowered with this gift that I'm going to give you. You're going to be baptized, he says, or filled, immersed with the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus knew that he was ascending to the Father, and what his disciples really needed in that moment was not just principles, but they needed power. They didn't need just education, instruction, and inspiration, 
but they needed assistance in, in, in order to be able to live out those instructions, to be able to live out those principles, to be able to live out the calling to go. And if you look in verse 8, as Jesus is giving these instructions, they're talking about the kingdom. Jesus, are you going to restore the kingdom? They're asking him questions. And then he goes down and he says in verse 8, you will receive power. Somebody say power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up from their eyes and a cloud hid him hid him from their sight. Now I want you to go to the book of Acts chapter 19. I'm going to read beginning at verse 1. Incredible passage that I was just just pouring over this week. Fascinating. It says in verse 1, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and traveled at, arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and he asked those disciples, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No. We have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, Then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. But Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues, and they prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God, but some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. So Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. In our time this morning, I've tagged the title to my text, and I want to preach, teach, and talk to you this morning from this subject, Encountering the Holy Spirit. Encountering the Holy Spirit. Would you join your hearts with me in prayer this morning? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the time that we have this morning to gather around it, whether we're here in person or online. Lord, we haven't come just to hear a sermon. We haven't come to just sing a song or attend a service, but we've come here to hear from heaven. Father, in this moment, let us hear your word. Let us obey your word. Let us leave this place different than we came in. We pray that we would experience your presence, your power, and your word as we gather together around today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. The subject of encountering the Holy Spirit is perhaps maybe the most debated and could be the most divisive subject in all of Christianity. In fact, 
in approaching this subject even this morning, there will be those uh, that disagree or those that get upset even with the preaching of the word this morning. Believe it or not. And so I just want to out front apologize now <laughs> for stepping on anyone's toes or offending or upsetting anyone in this place or online. But I do believe that the Holy Spirit is not a subject for us to stay away from and to avoid. But it's a subject in which we need to talk about, we need to explore, we need to experience. For Jesus said that we would receive power when the Holy Spirit had come upon us and we will be his witnesses. As a Christian, who you are and how you live is shaped by your encountering the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was first talked about and discussed in Christian history at the Council of Nicaea. And then they, be, they talked about, they continued this conversation at the, con, uh, the Council of Constantinople. At the Council of Constantinople, they came up with the theology, the church fathers, the theologians, came up with the concept of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. All equally God in personhood, but having different roles in the Godhead. In the Trinity. We can see God the Father. We understand God the Father because we can conceptualize a person. We understand God the Son, Jesus Christ, who has come to redeem us. But we don't always understand God the Holy Spirit because we have some misconceptions and misunderstanding about the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit is not an it. It's not a force. It's not a, just merely a presence. But the Holy Spirit is God the Holy Spirit. He is a person. He has been given the attributes of personhood, even we see in the Scripture, mind, will, and emotions. The Holy Spirit is a person, but the Holy Spirit is also the power of God to be able to, to live out the principles of God, to be able to live the Christian life, to be able to um, be a witness, to be able to do ministry. And we find that the Holy Spirit is not optional, but the Holy Spirit is actually necessary. Amen. It's not a suggestion from Jesus. It's a command from Jesus that we wait for the promise of the Father, and that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Holy Spirit literally draws a line in the sand in Christian denominations. Because if you were raised as a Catholic, maybe you were raised uh, Episcopal, maybe you were raised Presbyterian, maybe you were raised... Baptist or Methodist, there is a line in the sand, or maybe you were raised Pentecostal or charismatic, spirit-filled. There's a dividing line that takes place when we begin to talk about the Holy Spirit. And at best, perhaps, if you were raised from one of these traditions, you might be in the camp in which 
you are somewhat maybe ignorant, you don't know, in our text today, like these disciples who were believers in Jesus, you might not know very much about the Holy Spirit. Or maybe, on a, in a better way, maybe you're averse to the Holy Spirit because you've seen excess, you've seen crazy things, you've seen things that you don't understand. So maybe you're ignorant to the Holy Spirit or maybe you're averse to the Holy Spirit, but there are those others of us maybe that fall into a different category. Maybe you are arrogant in your understanding of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit cannot be limited to a certain worship style. The Holy Spirit is not simply running around the church, clapping your hands, shouting, raising your hands, coming to an altar, uh, being prayed for, people falling out. The Holy Spirit is not merely just speaking in tongues, but the Holy Spirit is a person who gives us power to be witnesses, to be able to love the unlovable. Come on, to be able to do the undoable, to be able to know the unknowable, to be able to show grace to those who mistreat us, those that are enemies, to be able to pray for them, to have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. The Holy Spirit helps us to do what we cannot do in our own strength and our own ability. Further, the Holy Spirit helps us to do ministry. The Holy Spirit helps us to preach. The Holy Spirit helps us to be able to know things that we don't. The Holy Spirit helps us to pray. The Holy Spirit helps us to declare. The Holy Spirit helps us to understand the Word of God. The Holy Spirit helps us to be able to lay hands on the sick and to see them recover. But we don't recognize the Holy Spirit oftentimes when He comes or we misassociate what the Holy Spirit does because either we're ignorant, we're averse, or maybe we're arrogant in our own personal understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. But the Holy Spirit is indispensable, and He is our helper. He is our assistant. You know, remember when, like, you were in, like, um, high school, and you were trying to meet that cute girl that was in the class? Yeah, and um, I got somebody can relate. Um, And you didn't know this girl, or you didn't know this handsome young man, or whoever he was, and You wanted to get to know them, so what would you do? You'd find out somebody who actually knew them. And you'd go up to them and you'd say, hey, who's this girl right here? Like, you you know her. Like, can you introduce me? (laughs) Right? This is what Jesus has done for us in teaching us and introducing us to the Holy Spirit. He says in John chapter 14, if you love me, obey my commandments. He says, and I will pray to the Father, and he will give you another helper who will be with you forever. For he is with you, he's telling his disciples, he's with you now, but he will be in you. He will be in you. He says, I will give, Jesus said, I will give you another helper. That word in the Greek for another is alas. It means another But it doesn't mean, there's two ways this word is used. It it doesn't mean, in in the Greek language, it doesn't mean another of a different kind. It means another of the same kind. Alos parakletos, a helper. 
Someone who is called alongside of you to help you. When you don't know what to do, you've got a helper. When you can't figure it out, you've got a helper. When you feel overwhelmed and overburdened and you're wanting to give, it, wanting to give up, you have a helper. When you don't know uh, the next, thing to, next step to take, you have a helper that leads and guides you and comes alongside of you, that comforts you, that guides you. You have another helper, and this helper is just like Jesus. He's not another helper of a different kind, but he's a helper just like Jesus was. And this role of this helper, the Holy Spirit, his role, Scripture teaches, Jesus says, is to testify of me. So you don't see the Holy Spirit coming and making himself known. You see the Holy Spirit coming and making a big deal about Jesus. So we talk a great deal about Jesus, but oftentimes we forget about the Holy Spirit. And this is what Francis Chan wrote about in his book, Forgotten God. He is God, the Holy Spirit. He can be pleased. He can be grieved. He can, he can have relationship. You can have relationship with him. And Jesus said, I will give you power to be my witnesses when you receive the Holy Spirit. So there's a widespread ignorance. There's an arrogance. And maybe there's an, an adverse opinion that you have of the Holy Spirit, but I want to clear up some things this morning on this Pentecost Sunday about the person, the work, the presence, and the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So to encounter the Holy Spirit is first and foremost to, listen to this, this is my first point if you're taking notes, is to receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Receive the indwelling. In our passage, in our text today, Paul came to Ephesus, and he's, the first thing that he does is he finds these 12 disciples, these believers in Jesus. And he's talking with them, and he's interacting with them, and almost right away we see that the Apostle Paul realizes there's something missing here. There's Something that's not quite right with you guys. Um, I have a question for you. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? When we accept Jesus as our Savior, He comes into our heart and our life. That is called the indwelling, theologically, the indwelling. He has come to dwell in you, is what Jesus said in, in John chapter 14. He's come to make his home on the inside of you. Romans chapter 8 verse 9 says this, But you are not in the flesh, but you're in the Spirit, if indeed the Holy Spirit of God dwells in you. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. These disciples, they were believers in Jesus, but something was missing in their life. They had been indwelled by the Holy Spirit of God. They had his presence in their life. But something was incomplete. The presence of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit coming into our heart, is prophesied in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26 through 27. It says, A new heart I will give you, and a new spirit I will put in you. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. 
He is the person, the presence of the Holy Spirit that comes to take residence on the inside of us. He wants to make his home in our hearts, and he is called God the Holy Spirit. He's holy, which means he is setting us apart. He is making us more like Jesus. He is conforming us to the image of Jesus himself. So he wants us to look like Jesus. He wants us to talk like Jesus. He wants us to act like Jesus. He wants us to live like Jesus. He is God, the Holy Spirit, that has come to take residence on the inside of us. The word dwell means to make it home. And we talk about houses and we call them dwellings. I want you to imagine this for a second. Imagine somebody invited you to come and live in their home. And you went and you lived and you moved your furniture in and you were in the first night that you were there, you were in the family room and you're like, man, I'm getting a little bit hungry. Let me go um, to the kitchen and get something to eat. Well, you go into the kitchen and they've got a door at the kitchen and the door is locked to the kitchen. You think, man, this is kind of strange. So you say to yourself, man, I got to go to the bathroom. You try to go to the bathroom, you go to the bathroom and you open up, you jiggle the door and the door is locked to the bathroom. So you go back to the family room. You're sitting on the couch. Man, I'm hungry. I can't go to the bathroom. Man, I'm tired. I'm just going to go to sleep. So you go up to your bedroom. You get up there, and the door is locked in the bedroom. You can't even get into the bedroom. This is the way that it is when the Holy Spirit comes into our life. He wants to take up residence in our hearts so that we don't close off any areas, but we open up every door, we open up every area, we make, give him access to the things that are dirty, from the th- to the things that are cluttered, to the things that we would never, the closets, we open the, cl- we give him access to every area in our life so that he can pinpoint those areas that are not like him so that he can remove the things that are not like him and he can replace it with all that he is. This is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that makes us more like God. This is our character. You see, God is concerned with who we are. He's concerned with our being more than he is concerned with our doing. He wants us to be like Jesus. Jesus was foreshadowing when he said, he will be in you. For only in John chapter 20, just a few chapters over, he says to his disciples, even as we get into Acts chapter 1, before that, he says, receive the Holy Spirit. These disciples of Jesus in Acts chapter 1, they were already born again. They had received the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lived inside of them. But Jesus is saying there's something more. There's something extra. There's more to this than you have right now. In order for you to go out and fulfill my call on your life, in order for you to step into the purpose that I have for your life, there's something more. You don't just receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit, but you have to pursue You don't just receive the indwelling, but you pursue the infilling of the Holy Spirit. This is what happened in Acts chapter 1, or Acts Acts chapter 2, when it says, on the day of Pentecost, when it had fully come, the Holy Spirit came, and there was cloven uh, tongues as of fire that sat upon each of them. And the Spirit of the Lord filled that place, and they began 
to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them ability. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit. We see the same thing, the infilling of the Holy Spirit take place in Acts chapter 19 and verse 7 that we read earlier. It says this, verse 6, when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. So the Holy Spirit was with them, he's in them, and now the Holy Spirit comes on them and they spoke in other tongues and they began to prophesy. This is the infilling or the power, the power of the Holy Spirit. Somebody say power. We have to pursue the infilling of the Holy Spirit, which, which results in supernatural empowerment. Let me illustrate it maybe to you like this. How many of you like to eat out? Hmm? My favorite uh, place to go and to eat out is actually a buffet um, down in Hampton Roads where I'm from. Um, and whenever we go down there, well, I've got to go to the buffet, seafood buffet, Captain George's, right? And when I go down there, I'm not playing no games because if I'm paying $50 to eat there, come on. I'm getting crab legs. I'm getting shrimp and scallops. I'm bypassing the salad bar. Just so you know. I'm not even really worried about desserts. I got my eyes on the seafood. Come on. And so I'm there to get filled. Matter of fact, I'm there to get filled to overflowing, right? <laughs> and how is something filled? I'm going to explain it to you. How is something filled? Three things are required. You have to have a source. You have to have a container. And you have to have space. All right? If you've said yes to Jesus, yes to salvation, right? You have that source of eternal life. You have that source of the Holy Spirit, of the infilling of the Holy Spirit. You have a source. You are the container. You are a vessel of God. You are to be used with God. You are a container. But you have to make space in order for God to fill you. And the reason why that many of us are not filled with the Holy Spirit, the reason why many of us lead, lead discouraged life, the reason why many of us don't witness like we should, we don't have joy, we don't have victory, we struggle with things, we can't seem to get out, we can't seem to get unstuck, we have problems, we have things that are overwhelming, is because we filled our life with things that are good things, but maybe they're not the God things that the Lord wants to fill our lives with. We fill our life with good things like maybe accomplishment. We fill our lives with money. We fill our lives with relationships and experiences, but we neglect to fill our life with more of God through the person of the Holy Spirit. We have to make space, which means we say, Holy Spirit, remove the things in my life that are taking up space, that are preventing me from getting filled. Some of y'all like that salad bar. You like the dessert bar. Put that aside and go straight to what is important. God wants to give us more of himself. We fill our lives with so many other things. Here's what, here's what I love. Uh, the scripture says, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 through 20. Let me read this to you. The Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, says, Do not be drunk with wine, 
which leads to ungodliness, but be filled, somebody say be filled, with the Spirit. That passage, though, that word, that phrase, be filled, can be translated, be being filled. So this encounter of being filled by the Holy Spirit is not a one-time experience. It's not a one-time encounter. It's, a, it's, it's an encounter in which you are filled daily with more of the Holy Spirit. More of you, Lord, less of me. Fill me again, Lord. Fill me once more. And it's, listen, it's in the imperative. This is, this is the, how the Greek is broken down. It's the imperative mood, which means it's a command. It's not a suggestion. It means you be filled. To live without being filled with the Holy Spirit is to live in rebellion to God. Secondly, it's in the present tense, which means it's to be a continual filling. Be filled continually. Not only are you must be filled, but you need to be filled continually. It's in the plural, which means this. It's for every Christian. It's not just the filling of the Holy Spirit. It's not just for pastors. It's not just for missionaries. Come on, it's not just for praise team people and worship pastors. It's not just for kids pastors. It's not just for deacons and elders. But it's for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord. It's for everyone. It's in the plural. It's you, all of you believers. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's in the plural. And finally, it's in the passive voice. This is powerful. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. It means this. Allow yourself to keep being filled. Allow yourself. Participate. Ask the Lord and cooperate. God, keep filling me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And then this is what I love, is what happens when we say, God, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Verse 19 says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of Jesus Christ. Are you a thankful person? Are you a person who's filled with praise? Are you a person who's filled with joy? If not, be filled with the Spirit, and then you will praise. Be filled with the Spirit, and then you will rejoice. Be filled with the Spirit, and then you will be thankful. Some of y'all are walking around down and out, anxious, discouraged, broken, upset, disappointed, constantly on edge. That's because you are not filled with the Spirit. The Apostle Paul said something is missing in your life. Have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? I ask you today, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Not only does God fill, but he gives refills. How many of y'all are thankful for refills? It's not just one pass on the buffet line, but you can go as many times, as many times as you want. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And pursuing the filling of the Holy Spirit determines my encounter with the Holy Spirit. So we receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We pursue the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And finally, to encounter the Holy Spirit is to demonstrate the overflowing of the Holy Spirit. Watch this. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues. And they began to prophesy. In other words... They began to declare what God was saying. They began to preach. They began to prophesy. 
they began to speak up boldly as to what the Lord had done for them. A characteristic of someone who has been filled with the Holy Spirit is that they want to share with others what Jesus has done for them. He says, you will receive power, not just to speak in tongues, not just to prophesy, not just to come into church service and lift your hands and take a lap around the church and to come to the altar, come on, and just have an experience, an encounter with God. But I have filled you with the Holy Spirit, in other words, that, so that you would be a witness for me, so that you would go and declare and share with others the goodness of God found in Jesus Christ. And so that's what you want to do. That's what you will do when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You will share with others. You will be filled to overflowing, and it will spill out in the lives of others. This is what I love. This is what happens in the text today. Listen, verse 8. Verse 8 says this. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way, so Paul left them. He said, Paul has the Holy Spirit. He's not worried about what other people think about him. He's not concerned. He's not consumed. He's not trying to please others, but he's trying to please the Lord. His desire is to preach the gospel because he's been filled with the Holy Spirit. And he's going into the city, and he takes the disciples with them, and they go with them, and they have discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years, listen to this, so that all the Jews and the Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. The entire city was turned upside down because the apostle Paul and these disciples had been filled with the Holy Spirit. I want you to see the difference that the infilling of the Holy Spirit makes. It produces an out, a flowing of the Holy Spirit. Whereas before the apostle Paul said, it's just 12 of you. And if you know anything about the the culture of that time in the city of of Ephesus that time, there was 250,000 people that lived in this area. The Apostle Paul said, this is how I know that something's not off, something's not right. This is how I know something's off. It's because you guys have 12 people in your group, and there's 250,000 people in this city. Something is not right with that. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you want to go and share what Jesus has done for you. Maybe some of you are timid. Some of you are shy. Some of you are reserved. Some of you are, maybe you don't share as much as you should. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. God will give you boldness. He'll give you confidence. He'll give you power to be a witness. He'll give you strength that you didn't have. Come on, he'll give you excitement for the things of God. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you are empowered to live a life on mission for God. And I'm closing. The last week, I went offshore fishing um, in Nags Head, went with some of my buddies. And, um, you know, the saying goes like this. That's why they call it fishing and not catching. Come on. How many of you have been there before, man? It's like, it's like we're going fishing today, but I don't know what's going to happen. It's an adventure. <laughs> we could come home with nothing. We could get the skunked. 
And then I looked over there one time, and we had booked a charter, and, and this guy was not used to fishing a lot. And I looked over there for lunch. He's eating bananas. I said, man, get that banana off the boat, man. That's a superstition. You're not supposed to eat bananas on the boat. I guess because ships have sunk with bananas. Anyway, I said, get off this. Get that banana off this boat. Anyway, we went, and we didn't just go fishing, but we went catching. So we were tired by the time that boat pulled into the dock we had tuna on the dock. We had mahi on the dock. We were overflowing with fish. We had more fish than what we knew what to do with it. They gave us garbage bags of fish. I'm going like this, carrying the fish to the car. We get home, and when I get home, I'm like, sweetheart, we don't have enough room for this fish. We got to give this fish away. We got, we got to unload this stuff. And so cutting up the fish, we vacuum seal it or whatever, load the cooler into the car, and I'm delivering fish to everybody the other day, because I got to get rid of fish, this fish. Here's the thing, here's the point. When you are over, when you are filled to overflowing, it's only reasonable that you share the abundance that you've experienced with others. This is the responsibility that we have as followers of Jesus. We've experienced the goodness of God. We know salvation. We know the joy that has filled our life as a result of being born again. We've experienced the peace of God, the presence of God. Some of us have experienced the infilling of the Holy Spirit. God doesn't bless us with more, though, so that we can get more. God blesses us with more so we can share with others. You are blessed to be a blessing. So as we look around this church today, to be filled with the Holy Spirit is to live a life on mission, to spill over and to share the abundance that God has so graciously, the love that he's shown to us, the kindness, the mercy that he has given to us. How could we not share what Jesus has done for us? And so that responsibility falls on every one of us. We've seen God do it before in churches throughout our nation. We've seen God do it in history. And my question is, God, why not here at Victory Church? What if your people who are called by your name would humble themselves humble themselves, admit their need, admit that they're not where they need to be, admit that they haven't received all that there is, that there is more, would humble themselves and pray and seek his face. God wants to fill us with his spirit. It wasn't just a one-time encounter. It didn't just happen when you were born again, but it's a second work. It's separate and it's sequential. Indwelt with the Holy Spirit. Infilled with the Holy Spirit. Empowered for the mission. Empowered then for the mission. Maybe you've been doing things in your own strength, own understanding, 
your own charisma, your own networking, your own intelligence, doing things in your own power and your own ability. Jesus said, you need more than what you got in your own strength and your own power. You need the person and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. How do we receive that? We find that those disciples that Paul prayed for in this passage in verse 6, it says that he laid hands on them and prayed for them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. God wants to fill us with his spirit. We have to humble ourselves and position ourselves to receive. If they hadn't positioned themselves to be prayed for, to ask, they would have left that moment being indwelt by the Holy Spirit, going to heaven, but not having the power to live the life that God had called them to live. And this is what it means for you and for me. All across this room, would you stand up on your feet and at home? Just position yourself in a posture of humility and of dependence upon God. Search your own heart and say, God, am I full of your spirit? Am I where I need to be in my relationship with you? Maybe you've come into this place today. You've been raised in a particular tradition, background, religious experience. And you're ignorant. You might be like these disciples. You're ignorant. You don't, and I say ignorant, I don't mean like it in a derogatory way. It's just you don't know. You don't know. Talk, teach me more about the Holy Spirit. You want to learn more about the Holy Spirit. This invitation is for you. Perhaps, you know, you've experienced maybe some excess and some crazy wild things and some weird, strange things in churches. and Maybe you're averse to the Holy Spirit. You've kind of kept the Holy Spirit at a distance because you're thinking to yourself, uh, I, don't know, I don't know if it takes all that right? You've seen some things be extreme. Maybe you're averse to the Holy Spirit. This invitation is for you. You need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit to live the life that God's intended for you to live. You see, I don't just need the Holy Spirit, listen to me, to be better than you. I need the Holy Spirit to be better than myself. I don't need just the Holy Spirit to come to church, I need the Holy Spirit to go to Walmart. Somebody say amen. I need the Holy Spirit to go to work. I need the Holy Spirit to step out in my neighborhood and to be a witness for Jesus. And maybe some of you are in this place today that you've seen the Holy Spirit and you're arrogant with the Holy Spirit because you said, oh, I've been filled with the Holy Spirit and I've spoken tongues and I've prophesied. And I'm filled with the Holy Spirit but you want to argue with people on Facebook, but you want to tell everybody how they're wrong and you're right, but you want to complain about the pastor and about the church and about how they're watering everything down. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Because I'm not too sure. The Holy Spirit fills people with the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. <laughs> so perhaps you're arrogant 
with your experience, your own personal experience with the Holy Spirit, maybe us, whatever category that you fall into today, you want, you need more of the Holy Spirit. You want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I believe right now, this morning, that Jesus wants to pour out his Spirit. I believe that there is no separation that we have access to the very presence, the throne room, throne room of God, and that we can be, we can be a place here this morning. We can be a people here this morning who experience the filling, the overflowing, the empowerment of God, the person of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Our vision is that you would experience Victory Church as a place to call home. We do this by encountering God through worship, embracing community through relationship, and expanding the kingdom of God through service. Find out more about Victory at victorywinchester.com.